and welcome back to Tiny Voice Talks. And I am so excited today because we are doing Tiny Voice Talks Belief. And belief is such an important thing to discuss. Today, I am joined by Caitlin Bracken, and she has the most phenomenal story to tell. So welcome, Caitlin. I'm so pleased you've come to Tiny Voice Talks. Hi, I'm very excited to be part of this podcast. I feel like you've set me up to be quite exciting, quite important. I feel like I've got a lot to live up to now. <laughs> well, I think your story is great. And I think when the listeners hear Thank the you. fact that, you know, where you were when you were sort of a teenager, you know, with regards to, well, I won't ruin the story, but I just think from where you were then to where you are now, really fantastic. And also will really help our listeners to know exactly how we support children in the classroom. So who is Caitlin Bracken? Tell our listeners. See, I feel like this is quite a mean question. It shouldn't be, because you'd think at 22 that I'd have a vague idea of who I am and how I'd answer this question. But as soon as as soon as you said it, you know, the first time we talked and today, it conjured up that that moment. It took me straight back to all the interviews that I've done when they say, tell us a little bit about yourself. And immediately I forget everything that I've ever done in my life. That's not the intention, but I totally, I totally get it because it happens to me. You know, it's like, oh, gosh, it does. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. Nobody knows who they are. Um, OK, <laughs> so, so let's start from the beginning. Yes. I am a primary teacher, first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that, I'm an avid reader. I'm trying to be a blogger and I'm pretty good with a sewing machine. Um, so I'm a primary teacher and I know that a lot of people don't define themselves by their profession, but I really do because it's all I've ever wanted to do. You know, I was that child that had all her teddies in a line and play school. And, you know, that was from being really young. And I guess it started from there. But Mm -hmm. the wheels were really set in motion for me when I did my work experience in year 10. Um, I went back to my primary school and I spent two weeks helping out in their reception classes. And there was just, there was magic happening in that room every day. And, you know, education and being in school, it cast a spell over me. I always loved being at school myself, um, even when it was more difficult for me later on. Um, But something changed me in that two weeks and being a teacher became the reality more than it was just sort of a faraway kind of dream and I knew I was going to be a teacher that was it. I love the way you talked to me the other day about this magic and you said you know there were and I love the way you define that there was just magic in that classroom so what was the magic that you saw? It was it was the way that the children interacted with each other and the way they looked at their teacher you know when she was when she was doing the the lead the teacher-led parts of, of their learning, they were all just hanging off every word and they were excited to go and try things out for themselves and they were excited to explore and be curious and they had so much freedom to do that. And that curiosity is, I think, a big part of the magic, especially with the little ones. Absolutely. So that was a defining moment for mm. you with regards to being a teacher. Was there any other inspiration that came along and you thought, no, this is absolutely now, there's no question, I have to do this? Yes, I had I had a lot of very good teachers, but one in particular. Um, I had a French teacher from 2010 to early 2014, so year eight until partway through year 11. Um, her name was Miss Canchez, and she left a massive impression on me. Um, you know, on... 
you know, thinking about it, I think she was she was the pivotal the pivotal moment in inspiring me to be the teacher that I am. You know, to teach with kindness and warmth by the bucket load. Let me just paint a little picture of her for the listeners. Um, she was five foot, not very much, uh, but she was always in shiny patent black heels. She had a laugh that was legendary. Um, you know, people mentioned, oh, do you remember her cackle? And, and everybody knows. The image that I have of her always is her being in these very tall, high heel shoes and balancing on a wheelie chair, trying to switch the projector on in the classroom when someone nicked off with our uh, projector remote. And that's it. That's her. She loved her job. She loved her job. She loved all of her students and she believed in all of us so much. Um, she recognized that I was a quiet person. I still am. And she never made me or anybody else feel less of a good student for if they were quiet. She, she pushed me towards getting my A star at GCSE, even though I was convinced that I was not capable of it. And she was right, obviously, as always. Um, and that unflinching belief is something that I've carried forward into my own classroom. You know, she's such an important part of my story because, because of her, I realized the sort of indelible mark that good teachers have on their pupils. Um, she, she passed away of breast cancer in the autumn term of my last year at sixth form. And, and the months that followed that were pretty awful because you don't, you know, when you're growing up, you don't think that your teacher's somebody that's, that's going to die. You don't. Your teachers are just, they're there and they're always there. Um, but it's that, that fact of teachers being there that got me to being a teacher now. And I think that's really powerful. But what our listeners won't know, and this is why I think your story is so powerful, is it's around that time that you lost your voice. Yes. And that's why I think it's phenomenal that you are today talking to me on a podcast when at the age of 16, Caitlin basically stopped talking. Yeah, that's, that is, that is what happened. I, I was always quiet going through school. Um, and I, Finished year 11, came back to my school's sixth form in the September, um, with, you know, it was a small setting. It was teachers that knew me that I knew really well. It was people in the classes that I knew. Um, and my voice just switched off, I guess. Um, I've always been that person to put a lot of pressure on myself. And I guess that probably tied into it quite a bit. Um, but my anxiety just went through the roof. You know, teachers that I'd known for years, I, couldn't really say anything to in front of other people. So I'll put a nice little neat label on myself and then sort of explain it a bit. I have generalized anxiety disorder. So in layman's terms, I worry about everything. But in reality, it means I had to look it up just so that I had a proper definition. My brain does not process serotonin in the normal way. Um, so I'm good at overthinking. Um, and it's being a teacher is all about managing that for me and I think it's something that I've come to do because of people believing in me a whole lot more than I ever believed in myself. So unpick that for me so who's believed in you how did how have they shown you that actually Caitlin deserves to have that voice? Well having sort of suffered the loss of 
Miss Canchez, mm-hmm. um, I was exceptionally quiet in my French lessons. And I think the French teacher that I had following her, Mr. Glow, um, who I will definitely be mentioning to, I've been on this podcast because he deserves to know that he's done a great job. Um, he just always took the time to listen to me when I had yeah. something to say. Um, and that's, you know, something that is so important to me now as a teacher myself, you know, having been shown that that's, that's how you give someone their voice back by making sure that when they have something to say, they are heard and they're understood and they're appreciated for it. And just that constant reminder that Caitlin, yes, you can do it. You don't feel like you can, but you will. And at least if, you know, if, if I didn't believe in myself, which I didn't, I knew he did. And a lot of other teachers did as well. And that continued into university, didn't it? With, it did. With that belief kept being shown to you, but you needed others to keep talking and showing it to you. Mm-hmm. I really did because I carried my anxiety with me up to university. You know, I kind of hoped that a fresh start would, you know, erase it all, make it all go away. And that's not how it works. Um, so I carried my quietness with me and the sort of freeze that I would do that, you know, I'd just run out of words and just stop. That continued at university as well. But the tutors that I had were fantastic. You know, it was a smaller university, a smaller cohort. And, and I had people who had my back always. And they really, really believed that there was something in me that was going to make a good teacher. And they made sure that I knew that someone believed in me even when I didn't. And as you know, we talked about this, I've got the word believe on my mm. desk in school. Yeah. And um, the reason I have it is because when children, it, it reminds children to believe in themselves. But I often say, if you don't believe in yourself, just believe that I believe in you. And I think so often that's what we need to do for all children in our class. Now, the conversation I had with you the other day what I found really insightful was how you then are able to support and deal with children in your class that you recognize having that same level of anxiety. So tell me about that. Yeah, so I've, I taught year one this year for my NQT year. And even with children that little, I could see in a few of them that reservation, that sort of, that apprehension, that not wanting to put themselves out there at all. And it's not through not trying. It's just that they don't feel like they can. Um, and recognizing that and supporting them through that was really important to me because it was people doing that for me that let me be the woman that I am today. So, you know, it was, it was super important for me to recognize that when it happens. You know, what advice would you give to a teacher that hasn't suffered from the anxiety that you've suffered from mm-hmm. when they're dealing with a child, when they've asked a question yes. and that child is sitting there. So I guess it is hard to spot for someone who's confident, extroverted, who's never had that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can kind of, I can describe it sort of in terms of what I've seen and what I've felt myself. So Mr. Glue, my French teacher at A-level, who repeatedly put me back together again, Perfect name then for him, isn't it? It really is, yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just thought, you know, it Mr. Really Glue, is. I just love that. When you said he put you back together, Mr. Glue, perfect. Yeah. He did. Right, he sorry, did. carry on. 
Um, so the panic coming down is how he described it, how he described seeing it in me. And I think I've, you know, I've seen that now in children I've taught. It's a, you ask the question, they're looking straight at you and they just kind of, they do freeze. It's a rabbit in headlights kind of expression mm. sometimes. They might sort of open and close their mouth a little bit, like they're trying to get the words out, they're just not there. They might fidget a little bit. I used to pull up my sleeves quite a lot. And, you know, little children sit on the carpet, pick their shoes a lot when they're, if they're feeling nervous about something, they'll sit there and pick their shoes because it's something else yeah. to put their attention on. But the best thing that you can do for them is to be that reassuring presence, you know, so not to, not to call them out for the fact that they can't get their words out. Just, you know, appreciate that they've tried. You know, if they do get something out, then brilliant. But if they can't, then they've given it their best shot and recognize that they need to know that you still believe in them. You know, whether that's you telling them there and then or speaking to them quietly afterwards or on the playground or whatever, just make sure that they know that they're still every bit as important in your classroom when they're quiet, you know, as when people, other people are being chatty and contributing to the lesson. You know, every child is important, whether they're loud or quiet or somewhere in the middle. I, I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. And you also spoke to me the other day about the importance of other teachers recognising where early career teachers are in their career, which is early. Yes. I mean, this sort of came, I wanted to talk about that because you've spoken to some quite experienced mm -hmm. teachers so far, and it feels like quite a privilege to be the first sort of newbie, the first early career teacher sharing my story. And I think so often, you know, online, on other podcasts and, you know, in online articles or whatever, the conversation about NQTs and RQTs, it's exactly that. It's about them. It's, it's about us. It's coming from senior leaders. It's coming from the top. And it doesn't necessarily include us, you know, and usually it's really positive and people talking about how they're going to support NQTs in their school. But just recently with, with the school closures and placements not happening, there's been a little undercurrent of negativity that, that we've not got enough experience, that we've not, we've not done enough to match the experience mm -hmm. of other teachers. And, you know, I just want to, talk a little bit about that from sort mm -hmm. of the bottom up from from my point of view as an NQT. I mean, it's not it's not the fault of NQTs or students that our training or our debut year was interrupted by coronavirus. You know, we didn't we didn't order this. We don't want this any more than the experienced teachers do. So coming back in September, whether you know whether you've got NQTs coming up or people who've come out of a disrupted NQT year. We just, we don't want to be treated with kid gloves like we're something special because we're not. We're just a teacher trying to do the job like anyone else. But we do need someone to believe in us and to, you know, look out for maybe the quieter NQT in your school. Maybe, you know, it's not just pupils who are quiet. There are quiet teachers out there. Um, and we need someone to believe in us and see that we're doing our best and we do want to do our best for the pupils and you know we want that support to become the teachers that that we want to be absolutely and you're probably speaking for thousands of nqts out there 
And what's I keep coming back to the point that I find it phenomenal that you have gone from losing your voice to finding your voice to expressing things that actually many, many people would probably be scared to express. So yes, we need to look out for NQTs. We need to remember that actually they have had, you have had a very, very obscure NQT year, which means that we, you know, it is about showing you that we believe in you and we do. Now, you've also found your voice and this is where we first met. We first met on Hannah Wilson's um, writing daily writing thing. I think you were on, I I knew you through Tiny Voice Tuesday Unites, but really I discovered you via your writing. So is that where you first found your voice, do you think? I think it is. I mean, you know, through lockdown, you know, at the start of lockdown, I was was not living with my parents. I'd moved out. I decided I'm going to be a proper grown-up now and I moved out. And lockdown was the bizarrest experience because obviously everything Mm. was so separate and it got to April the 1st and I decided I'm going to start a blog and you know luckily none of my friends when I shared it on Facebook for the first time thought that it was an April Fool and that I was joking that I was suddenly (laughs) trying to find a voice but it it all started from there you know just sharing first of all it was bits and pieces about being an NQT and then and then it was Hannah's blogging Mm. challenge of you know, it was little bits, little bits and pieces of me that came out through the different blogging prompts that she had. And it was, it was quite empowering actually to be able to share that and to connect with people that I never would have otherwise. And so being quite a quiet person, finding it a little bit trickier to make connections with people, you know, to do that through my blog was amazing, you know, because Writing is something that I really, really love. And to have, you know, for all intents and purposes, to have complete strangers say, hey, I think your writing's really great, was really lovely. You've got a great way with words. I very much like how you write and you write from the heart. And I think that's, you know, that's what I love about the way you write. You you absolutely write what you're feeling and you're not trying to temper it. You just say it as it is. So for anyone that hasn't discovered your blog, where is it? Um, my blog is on WordPress. It can be found at onequietteacher.com. There's hyphens between one quiet teacher. Um, but other than that, it's fairly simple to find. And I do, I just write about the things that are important to me, the things that I'm feeling at a specific moment in time, you know, responding to what's happening in the world and, and what's happening in, in my little world, I guess. And it's it's great because I think, again, your blogs will help so many other people. That's what I like about blogs. That's what I like about the writing, because actually when I'm reading someone's blog, it often strikes me and makes me think. It really does. I just think it's wonderful, Caitlin, the way you have gone from being someone with no voice to someone who started writing to someone who started tweeting more and more. And, you know, it's great to see you on Twitter and now here you are having done your first podcast. How does it feel? It's very strange because, you know, when I first got in touch with you to say, hey, I'd like to do this, I wasn't really thinking about the kind of the journey that got yeah. to this point. But having done the podcast with you now and 
I guess because I live it every day, it doesn't feel particularly extraordinary. But when you take a look at it like this, you know, if I'd said to my 17 year old self, you know, in five years time, you're going to be doing a podcast about being a teacher and telling people about, you know, the difficulties that you've had. And, you know, I probably would have gone and hid in a corner <laughs> and just stayed there, you know, yeah. just that would have been it. But it's, it's pretty great. It's, I like it. I like this feeling of not being encumbered by my anxiety so much, you know, because like you reminded me the other day, it's part of me, but it isn't me. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It does not define you. And that's, yeah. that's the thing. And what I think is fantastic is that you truly are finding your voice. And I am so excited to be part of that journey, you know, and I cannot wait to see where it takes you next. So my final question that I always ask everyone, Caitlin, if you could be taught by anyone or could have been taught by anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it have been? Well, I have thought long and hard about this. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes my overthinking can be useful. Um, so your other guests have had fantastic answers to this question. Um, and I kind of wanted to live up to that a little bit, but then, you know, I came back to who I am and saying it as it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about the women who flew the fighter jets between the air bases in World War Two. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought about Mary Seacole because I was obsessed with her when I was in year 11, thought she was fantastic. Yeah. And I very nearly went with Michelle Obama, but oh. yes. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Yes. Wouldn't it just? Oh my gosh. But when it, when it comes down to it, if I could be taught by anyone, I'd want another lesson with Miss Canches. I'd take the dullest grammar lesson ever for another hour in her classroom with her sparkly pink gel pens, her cheeky little aside comments and her laugh, her cackle. I'd want another lesson with her. Um, that's it. That's, that's who I'd be taught by if I could have anybody else. And that's wonderful. That really is. I, that makes me feel quite choked up. And, and what I am so happy about, Caitlin, is that you are channeling her in your classroom with the way that you are being with the children that you teach. She showed belief in you. You show belief in them. And that's why we've decided to call this talk Tiny Voice Talks Belief. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on. I'm so grateful and I love the fact that you are finding your voice. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Toria.